Welcome to the conference room with this week's guest, Khan Bershan. You need to have eventually a huge problem to solve, a great technology that can create a, a significant improvement or disruption to how this problem is being addressed today. And it should have a defendable approach that you can do better than, than others in order to solve this problem. So a good technology, great differentiation and approach and a huge problem to solve that the market is willing to uh, pay for. Welcome to The Conference Room, a weekly podcast where business leaders and growth experts kindly share their experiences, actionable tips and secrets to successfully grow a business. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It'll really help us out. And I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to The Conference Room. Good afternoon and welcome to The Conference Room. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Ken Bershan. Ken is the CEO of cybersecurity vendor Skyhawk Security. He began his career in technical positions at companies such as IBM, then spent five years with Cisco, and then transitioned into product roles. He founded companies such as SaaSafe, The Sapphire, and had leadership positions with Dome 9 and Checkpoint before being appointed CEO of Skyhawk. He is the graduate of the Open University of Israel and holds 24 US patents. And I'm delighted to say we've dragged him kicking and screaming into the conference room. So, Chem Bershan, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon, Simon. Thanks for having me here with you today. Very happy to be here. It's a genuine, genuine pleasure. So, every hero has an origin story. And you're the hero of our story. So talk me through your background of just starting out in IBM, that transition from technical through product and now into leadership roles. Yeah. So uh, I started my uh, career as a, as an engineer in uh, in in companies that were really, uh, um, you know, the, the school of how to do uh, a good, you know, high quality engineering uh, in IBM and, and in Cisco, um, you know, learning a lot about good engineering practices and building, uh, good technology, uh, uh, and, and generating value. Um, most of my time as an engineer, I was extremely customer obsessed, kind of customer focused, right? Focused on the value. Uh, and not just the, the engineering that is extremely interesting, as you, as you can understand from, you know, having, 24 patents, I'm, I'm a technology person, but I'm also very much uh, uh, oriented to how this technology brings value. Uh, so that kind of was a natural transition into product leadership roles in various fields of uh, technology in, in networking and storage. You know, I'm, I'm old enough for, for these to be even interesting, virtualization, cloud, and, and security. Uh, so... Um, that transition was kind of uh, natural for me to really look on my customers in a broad uh, manner uh, as a product person and then being able to uh, create products that are giving them great value, basically. Right, okay. Which really leads me to um, the what, what I really wanted to talk to you about, which was 
defining product market fit and how a product market fit is the basis of a company. Okay, a lot of the um, CEOs that we've had uh, here in the conference room have talked a lot about pro- product market fit and the importance of that. But we've never really had the opportunity to kind of dig into that. Okay, and that's very much what I'd like to talk to you about. Okay, so with that in mind, tell me whether we're talking, you know, here at Skyhawk or or, or or further back in your career, how did you, okay, let's start off with what comes first? Is it the product or is it the market fit? Okay. Do you look for a problem to solve or do you find an interesting solution or an interesting technology and then look for how that can solve a problem? Yeah. So it's, it's a very, very good question. Uh, um, First of all, in my you know in my experience, I learned that uh, uh, companies can be built uh, bottom up or top down, right? You can identify from the weeds basically a very interesting technology, and then start to think on how to apply it to a problem, or you can start from a problem and then think on how you can solve it. In both cases. Uh, and, and, you know, there's no right way to do it, right? But in both cases, you need to have eventually a huge problem to solve, a great technology that can create a, a significant improvement or disruption to how this problem is being addressed today. And it should have uh, what we like to call a technology mode, right? Basically, a defendable approach that you can do better than than others in order to solve this problem. So eventually, a good technology, uh, great differentiation and approach and a huge problem to solve that the market is willing to uh, pay for. And it can come again from both directions. I've seen good companies being built that way or or another. Um, But eventually, no matter how you start, you have to have all of these being addressed. Right, all stars need to be aligned there for that to work well. Right, it's interesting because um, if you think back in history, very often the market's not known what it's wanted. Okay, I mean, if you look at, I mean, Henry Ford very famously had a quote of, "If we'd listen to the market, we would give everybody faster horses." Right, and then also, I think the electron was discovered like 30, 40 years before electronics. So very often the innovators are way ahead of the market. So if you only listen to the market, you're not necessarily going to find the pain or find an awareness of the pain that your solution could solve. So how do you or how have you addressed that? Maybe you've come across um, a great technology, but the market's not been ready to embrace it as a solution or hasn't been aware that they're ready to embrace it as a solution, right? So how have you dealt with that? So, you know, another aspect of building great companies is uh, uh, the fact that you usually start before the market is there, right? You usually start uh, with the vision of um, uh, where the market will be in one year, two years, and then you start kind of going into the market, right? I think, you know, the best definition known for us product people for what a product market fit is, is when you have more demand that you can uh, fulfill, right? 
Right. Uh, that's the best way to approach uh, a product market fit. But usually before you get there, that's part of being the visionary startup person that start businesses, right? It's to identify, let's say we go top down, right? To identify a big problem, right? To identify a great innovative solution to it. If the problem is there and you need to educate the market on the solution or why your solution is different, right? Not necessarily better, but a different approach uh, to solve the problem, then at some point um, with enough persistency and benefits, the market will arrive, right? The product market fit will arrive, right? Um, so that's part of it. That's why you need to find a big problem and, and a very, very much differentiated, disruptive solution to this big problem that you can go with. And then there's the the phases of building it, educating the market, convincing, you know, creating this wheel of demand generation in a sense, right? Not just the kind of the inbound where people come to you when, when you have more demand that you can actually fulfill. Right. Uh, that's a very, very long process to, uh, uh, to build. Uh, and in many cases, you know, when you start the journey of, of a startup, you start with a vision, you build it. It takes probably a couple of years to get to a good, you know, technology, then you start to kind of scale up. Uh, and, you know, at this point, you'll have a few years of, of uh, selling and scaling the product out there, right? The, the product market fit, it's very rare for it to, uh, to be there on day one, right? It's right. very rare. Right. So having, okay, so having determined the importance of product market fit at the outset of an organization, okay, um, if you look back through your career, okay, um, what would you say are the best approaches that you've seen to determine product market fit or to determine what the market need is um, to then be able to either build or shape your product development to address it? What would you say have been the, the key sort of best practices that you've either experienced or led over your career in that? It's it's a combination of uh, persistency and open mind. <laughs> so on the one hand, you need uh, you know to uh, to be very persistent, and as you go to this journey of finding the product market fit, not to uh, fall in love in your necessarily in your initial idea, right? It's uh, you need to listen to the feedback of the market. You need to reshape it. Sometimes you need to pivot a little bit, right? Take different angles on it. And at the same time, you need persistency and you need this conviction that what you build have uh, good value that um, you're really able to kind of transform this market. You're able to create this uh, disruption in this market. And it's it's a process that needs to uh, you need to go through. Uh, so for me, it's this combination of uh, persistency uh, by the open mind to listen to feedback and, and adapt, right, and, and change as needed. Right. Okay. So how do you listen to the market? How do you do that? How do you hear what the market ought to be telling you? How do you find that information out? So, you know, talk with customers all the time, just converse, present ideas, and also be, you know, take, you need to take everything with a grain of salt, right? Uh, sometimes uh, on, on how you get, uh, you know, what you hear and what you get as feedback, but you need to listen to feedback. And you need to understand where the market is and how they perceive the solution. And also, you know, there are people that are, you know, 
uh, polite, so they will give you a soft no, but you need to listen the no uh, and, and hear the no out of what they say. There are the people that uh, they won't be the early adopters, so it doesn't matter if you show them the the best things in sliced bread, they they will not give you the the best feedback on earth. So it's but it's about listening all the time and hearing the feedback uh, on what you're doing and and relating to it, improving. It's a continuous improvement process. Uh, if you do it uh, long enough, eventually. Uh, either you'll improve to the point that meets the market, or by the way, the market sometimes changes to the point where uh, the demand is being created, right? I mean, the Dome 9 experience, for example, was Dome 9 was in the market as a, a cloud security vendor for many years, uh, trying to kind of scale up. Uh, the, the vision that the founders had about building a cloud security, cloud native security solutions, the pain points, it was the right vision. <clears throat> it was a journey to actually create the, the right product. And there were a few products built along the way and some pivots. Uh, but listening to the market and to the customer pain points, creating the product that really addresses this need. And then when the market picked up on the needs for compliance, posture management, visibility, you know, this cross, when this cross happened, product market fit happened, right? The, the magic then happened. It was like, I always say it was like we were trying to ride on the on the waves until they became a tsunami. When they became a tsunami, it was like they they took us to shore. We, we just you know, had to make sure we're not falling in a sense, right? Right. Uh, but it was this really this combination of seeing the future, building uh, the right technology, listening to customers, adapting, and eventually, between the pivots to the market, the magic happened. Right. Okay. Okay. So if you were starting a new company from scratch today, right, um, what steps would you take, um, whether it was starting top down or bottom up? Okay. What steps would you take to um, establish product market fit? Okay. And then beyond that, to start to build the company around what you had learned. So, uh, you know, I would probably, again, come with a vision and try to describe, you know, and validate, first of all, that the pain points I think the market has are in the pain points the market think they have, right? That they uh, accept our approach. And, you know, every new approach creates also new challenges, right? So try to deal with those and make sure I have all the right uh, answers there. Uh, and then making sure that I'm doing it in a novel way that will allow me to do it uh, faster, cheaper, better, right? Uh, different, right? The other sentence we really love to use is, you know, it better be different than better, right? Yeah. A differentiated approach to solving this problem that uh, will allow me to uh, uh, defend my, my value. Uh, for a long enough time, right? To create this edge. Uh, the other thing you need to do, and, and this is kind of when you start a company, it's really about interviewing a lot of customers. Now, uh, when you start the company and you want to make sure that you are on the path to product market fit, right? Uh, in these early stages, um, 
the real way to make sure that you have uh, uh, that you're on the right, right track and you're not just hearing you know nice people giving you compliments it's to try and sign people to your product kind of get early POs even though you don't necessarily have anything more than slides but these early adapters those that believe if they can get you these early purchase orders uh, that you can fulfill with them it's the base approach to uh, uh, make sure that you have product market fit, right? Because they're actually willing to put skin in the game and and risk money right. on the belief that you will actually provide them something that is gonna make them them much more successful. Uh, and that's usually the best validation. You know, uh, people that will tell you it sounds great. You know, when you're ready, I'll, I'm happy to try it. It's uh, it's a good indication, but it's not you know it's not a strong enough indication. Right. Yeah, the best metric is sales revenue, right? People that are actually compared to... uh are non-diluting money, customers' money. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, so with with having defined that, okay, um, so you've... Uh, and perhaps we can look back at your time at, uh, at SASAVE or Sapphire or, or, or here at, uh, at Skyhawk, okay? So having defined the product market fit, okay, what are the key steps from then in terms of maybe securing um, funding or um, hiring the key people in the team? What are the steps that you would then take um, to start to build a company around that product and the fact that you've hopefully established a product market fit? Right. So so again, from my perspective, uh... Uh, and, and you need to remember, I basically uh, was trusted to lead this, a company in, in the case of Skype that I did not stop, right? Yeah. So the technology was there. It is proven. Uh, now we need to scale it up, right? There are customers that are using the product. Uh, we have great testimonials, you know, five stars rating at Gardner, right? We have all of that. It's a great starting point. At this point, we need to make sure that we can scale it up. And then you start to build, obviously, on the basis of this great technology uh, with its all, all its value, we basically start to build the, the go-to-market organization, right? The right sales leader, marketing leaders, the people that can you know, send the message out, uh, build the brand recognition, build the, the demand, basically, allowing us to uh, basically educate customers on why what we've produced will make them better, more successful, successful, more secure, uh, and scale from there, right? That's what we basically do here. We we got to the point where we are now scaling the company. That was the reason for the spin-off that of Skyhawk, because the, we got to the point where uh Skyhawk needed enough attention to become its own entity and scale. Right. Uh, and, and that was kind of the next step. And that's exactly what we do today. Uh, we have the technology. We know what the market is looking for today. And in our, uh, uh, the way we see the market evolving and maturing, we will think that this demand will only grow in the next couple of years. And from that point on, we continue to innovate technology wise and continue to innovate go to market wise. Right, that's what we do all the time. That's the scaling we do right now. Right, right. So, um, 
I want to turn my attention to a slightly different topic, which is um, Skyhawk is um, an Israeli company and a spin-out from an Israeli company. And anyone who who has spent any time or attention looking at the cybersecurity market, they'll know that an awful lot of uh, of cybersecurity vendors, whether it's startups or more established ones, Checkpoint, for example, um, are Israeli companies. Okay, so considering you know the the, the size of, of of the country, fifteen those are 13, 14 million people. Okay, to have such an impact in a sector is incredible. Okay. Uh, and that's just looking at cybersecurity. I mean, there are many other sectors that, well, within technology or even outside of technology, where there's such an incredible um, and, if you like, disproportionate presence of the Israeli economy within those sectors. Okay, so as someone who's kind of lived and breathed it for your career, okay, what do you think makes the uh, or, or let me put it another way: How do we make sense of that? That such a small com- a country can have such an incredible impact on not just the cyberspace, but on agritech, medical tech, uh, payments tech, so many other um, areas of industry. Yeah, it's it's uh, a combination of a uh, few uh, merits, I think, of the of the people here. Uh, one is basically the the entrepreneurship uh, kind of culture here right and it's it's been this culture since israel was established as a country right in in agriculture in physical security of our country right and in this uh really the the innovation that comes here on on, on every aspect um it's i think the importance uh we put here on an education and you know high quality education uh it's also the fact that we are a very small country with very limited resources and we always have to find ways to excel and make sure we can survive the tough neighborhood we live in uh, um, with, with these limited resources so we have to innovate all the time at the at the country level, at the personal level, right? I mean, uh, our market reach, our ability to use, you know, uh, uh, physical resources, the fact that we're like an island, it keeps this country culture-wise on its toes all the time, uh, and that generates a lot of, you know, a lot of innovation just by the need to always. Uh, be there on the cutting edge and making sure you're better and faster than than everything else that is happening around you. Uh, and I think that this, you know, this cross of really being um, uh, entrepreneurs in our nature, the level of education, uh, it's really in our blood. And now add to it the fact that, you know, for all sorts of uh, other reasons, like protecting our country, we had to create good technologies. It was an amazing incubation environment for an ecosystem that kind of kind of amplified itself over the years right it created right. Uh, an ecosystem of specifically around cybersecurity that generated more cybersecurity generations and I think about how many entrepreneurs and great companies came out of checkpoint how right. many great companies came out of Broadway right how many companies came out of 
the, the bigger companies, how many second and third generations were created here. It's really amazing, right? Right, absolutely. And 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 from your own perspective, your you know, your own kind of personal story, um, was being an entrepreneur something you always wanted to do? I mean, starting out IBM or Cisco doesn't necessarily I mean, if you look at the US or the UK or other countries around the world, very few people come out of IBM or Cisco and decide yeah, by proportion and decide I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to set my own set up my own company. Where in Israel, IBM, Cisco, um, Amdocs, Checkpoint, you know, many, many, many of their alumni are entrepreneurs and have founded or, or now lead their own companies. So from your own perspective, or what I mean, was that something that, you know, when you graduated, you thought, I'm going to start my own company one day, I'm just going to kind of learn how to do it at IBM, Cisco, etc. Or was it something that just kind of developed in you as you were part of a, a larger organization? How did it happen yeah, so, to you? Yeah, so I think it was like in my nature, in a sense, uh, uh, you know, to start my own companies, to be there, to build businesses. Uh, I think for me, I really enjoyed the, the innovation, the creativity, right? In Both in technology and in, in business, right? But I really enjoyed the creativity and and this creativity was there when I was uh, working in big companies and trying to kind of push mountains, in a sense, there uh, to a point where I started to uh, work with smaller companies. And I realized that I can push bigger mountains faster, uh, faster uh, in, in smaller companies. Right. So, you know, when you get there and you understand uh, uh, the power, in, you know, it's like it's an engine that never uh, never shuts down. Uh, and you either have it or not. I mean, you know, a lot of us, we've been in this industry long enough. You see the amount of entrepreneurs that are, exist here that are doing it for the second time and third time, right? Mm. It's an engine. You you simply cannot stop. You have to go on and go on and on and go on because you really enjoy the journey. You enjoy the creation. You enjoy the innovation. Uh, and if you cannot, if you do not enjoy it, you can't go on. It's uh, It's, you know, Having a startup is a lot of fun, but it's also uh, uh, building a company. It's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of hard work. And if you do not really enjoy it from your stomach, uh, you you can't you know you can't really do it for for the long time and effort that it requires. Right. So, which which leads me to another question, which is in your mind, obviously hunger, desire, and that kind of innate drive. To do something, you know, to do something special is obviously critical. But what other elements do you think are critical for somebody to be a leader? For you know, if somebody's thinking about wanting to start their own company, what do you think is is really, really essential for them to be able to do it? So you know, the sentence that uh, one of my uh, um, CROs in 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 my career used to say, and that was that. Uh, uh, People buy from people, right? They buy good technologies, they buy solutions for problems, but people buy from people, right? First, mm-hmm. first thing first. And I think that to start your own company, the first thing you need to to have is basically uh, you need to be a person that people will want to go after. Again, startup, it's you know, it's a lot of it's a roller coaster, and you need people to to trust you and you know go 
after your vision and and follow you through the good times and through the bad times, right? And through the more challenging times. They need to trust you. They need to know that you will be honest with them, that you'll be transparent with them. Uh, and, and I think that this is kind of, uh, they really need to know that, that uh, they can trust you with everything they do, right? That's kind of the key. Right. Uh, and so if you ask me what is the first thing you need to do, there are like the basics, right? You need to understand the technology. You need to understand the domain. But you need to be above all these kind of basic stuff. You need to be someone that people trust, someone that people will follow. They will go after you. And, you know, here in Skyrock, most of the team here is people that worked with me for, you know, with, in two or three companies. And they keep coming and follow, right? I always, sometimes I ask them, so I ask them, why are you doing, you know, why are you following, right? But this is the key point. If you want people that trust you and they know that you'll always be honest with them and you'll always be fair and fair doesn't necessarily mean that you don't demand or you don't ask tough things or you don't have, you know, comments to comment when you need to, but you do it in a respectful way and you know that, you know, they know that even if you have, you know, tough things to say, it will always be fair, right? Right. Uh, so I think, you know, it's about the people more than anything else. It's about the people. Right. Okay, good stuff. So tell me about Skyhawk. What's Skyhawk's mission? What's their, what's the company's value proposition? So Skyhawk is basically in the cloud native security space. Uh, we are a cloud native threat detection and response solution. Uh, and basically, if you think about my own personal journey, which is very, very similar to how the, the cloud security uh, market matured, uh, basically, when when cloud picked up and people started to think about how they secure it, the first thing they dealt with is visibility. I don't even know what I have, uh, let alone I don't even know, you know how things are configured, how my posture look like, right? So the first line of defense was to make sure that they even know what they have. Right. Now, beyond that point, and the you know, customers realize that no matter how much they invest in posture, right, uh, eventually, if a bad actor, if an attacker will want to get in, they will find a way to get in, right? right? So then comes the next layer of protection, which is observability, right? It's not just... How do I, how am I statically configured? How's my cloud posture look like? It's, do I have an attacker doing lateral movement currently in my environment, right? That's CDR. That's cloud native threat detection and response. It's this ability to uh, detect in near real time, uh, suspicious activity in the cloud and stop it before it's too late. Stop it before it becomes a breach, right? That's what we do. So basically, when we talk our, with our customers, right, it's this multi-layer defense. You have CSPN today. You have Synap. You have there's hundreds of vendors doing the uh, uh, Synap in different ways, approaches, you know, acquisitions in this space. We've been acquired 2018. Since then, this market did like uh, second generation and third generation. Right. This first is extremely important. But it will never, ever stop a breach. If someone gets in, 
you won't be blind to the actual activity. And that's what CDR adds, and that's what we add. To the point, by the way, when we talk today with customers, um, they talk about the fact that they don't have enough resources necessarily to chase all the misconfigurations and vulnerabilities and the, the patching that they need to do. That some of them say, actually, instead of looking it as a uh, looking on it as a first tier CSPM, second tier uh, CDR observability, some of them actually say the first year should be observability, and then let's go and fix everything else. But first, first thing first, let's make sure we have this mode that no one can pass right. and make this damage, and then we can build the fences, close the doors, you know, mention, you know, make sure that the windows are. Are tied, but first thing first, let's make sure that we have this mode around our crown jewels, right? And that's what CDR provides. So this is what we do, uh, and in many cases, uh, that's that's what we hear from our customers that they need this new real time protection. Now, obviously, we provide a, a full package of uh, services, but the real value is the cloud native, uh, easy to manage uh, threat detection and response that that's been serving customers for over five five years in, in, in extreme scales. Right, great stuff. Thank you for that. So obviously we've talked about um, quite a number of different topics, but just going back to our initial topic, what would you say are your three tips for somebody who really wants to nail product market fit? Uh, customers, listen to customers. Right. Uh, make sure that you and they identify a big enough problem, right? So that when when we talk about product market fit, there needs to be a market there. That needs to be huge market. Then obviously the product piece, making sure that you are creating this disruption and that customers buy into this uh, disruption. Uh, and if you really want to name it, uh, listen to customers. And uh, you know, customers saying yes, it's nice. It's it's really a nice thing. POs are you know, purchase orders are the Much the nicer. real way, <laughs> the real way to uh, you know to prove that they really think that way. So if you really, even by the way, without a fully baked product, right? On on the concept, uh, the proof is eventually you know the skill in the game. They're willing to. The willingness to kind of take the risk and give you the money and participate in the in the journey early is a good indication that you are onto something. Then you'll get into scalability aspect. That's a good problem to have. But the first thing is that. Right. Okay. Great stuff. So, what's next for you, Hanan, for Skyhawk? What's next? So uh, uh, we are uh, in the midst of creating our next generation innovation in, in cloud threat detection and response. Uh, we already announced parts of what we plan to do and uh, probably end of uh, 2023, we'll announce more uh, new exciting things. Uh, we basically look on how to uh, differentiate and innovate in the CDR space. I think that uh, um, a lot of the CDR space is uh, still thinking in terms of uh, incident response, investigations. These are things that are being done after the damage was was done. Right. Uh, Skyhawk's approach is to actually prevent the damage before it's being done. Uh, and we're innovating there. I think that there's a huge opportunity uh, 
uh, in front of us in the name, in the terms of uh, what generative AI is going to uh, provide in this space. Uh, you know, there are there are waves of innovation in the market that are happening every few years, right? Uh, you know, if you think about it, with internet, it was you know networking, right? Then you yeah. know cloud, right? Virtualization, cloud, right? There were where these every every decade we had these waves of innovation. Uh, I think the generative AI is more or less this you know decade after cloud now. Uh, uh, allowing us to see another wave of innovation that will come out of it. And I definitely see a lot of opportunities in our space to actually use generative AI to improve uh, security. It also creates, like many other things, challenges in security, right? But this is another topic uh, and we'll definitely uh, uh, have more innovation coming from that direction. we have a lot of focus basically on making sure that uh, we build the best uh, cloud native uh, threat detection and response. Because in my view, if I'm thinking ahead, this is where I think the market is going. So, uh, you know, a lot of the market today is still focused on on visibility and posture. Uh, you know, again, looking ahead vision wise, I think that in probably no longer than one year, we'll see more and more and more demand for uh, cloud native uh, threat detection and response. And that's exactly uh, where we're heading. We also see Gartner just created another category called Kira, more focused on the response aspect of threat detection, automated response, right? So this is kind of, uh, we start to see it forming. And I think that this is where we're going, right? And now, uh, you know, with the, Focus, for example, that Gartner created around response automation. I think that, you know, I always say that one of the uh, biggest challenges for response automation is to actually trust the detection, right? So from my perspective, although the market thinks in terms of uh, automation and maybe a little bit, uh, you know, they coming to it from the world of SOAR, I actually think that it's only going to amplify the need in great detection, and then the response automation. And with that, this is kind of where we're heading and where we're doubling down. Wow, exciting times ahead. So, Makhan, um, if people wanted to learn more about you or about Skyhawk, what's the best way for them to do that? So the best way is to basically go to our website, skyhawk.security, uh, contact us there. Uh, you can sign up for a free CSPM uh, and get a, a free access to our uh, uh, product. Um, and we're happy to kind of get in touch. LinkedIn always works. Uh, so reach out in LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to getting in touch with you know, as many customers and industry leaders and make sure we help make the, the world and specifically our customers' cloud uh, uh, more secure. That's fantastic. Ken, this has been an amazing conversation. I've been. I've really learned so much, um, not just about product market fit, but about leadership, about building and scaling companies, and of course, about what makes uh, Israel um, such a natural home for so many startups and entrepreneurs. And I'm so grateful for you uh, spending the time with us here in the conference room. So, Ken Bershan, thank you so much for coming into the conference room. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great uh, rest of the day. Thank you. Well, that pretty much wraps up the podcast for 2023, but look out for our special highlight show 
coming out at the end of the year where we'll be looking back on some of the very best of the conference room throughout this year. Featuring guests such as Ori Levy. Strategy without execution is fantasy. And I seriously believe that this is uh, so true. Um, you need to have the strategy, but you need to have the execution. Mark Jarrett. There can be a WhatsApp group about anything. And the, the, in some ways, the more niche the subject matter is, the more likely you are to have a, a meeting of minds. Brooke Young. From there, you can take your story and say, okay, I do what I do because of this. It matters because of this. And it's going to matter to your audience because of this. Sean Blankhorn. Because there's conversations I can have as a sales engineer that uh, a sales account executive would, would never successfully have, in my opinion. Lauren Goldstein. And what that creates is business particles and a very reactive business because you're responding to other people, to other problems, etc. And you haven't actually taken a breath since starting and said, okay, let's pause for a minute and let's proactively figure out where we're going. Matthew Andreani. If you've got insurance agents in the field and you're an insurance company, and you've got thousands of agents in the field and your IT services come down, none of your agents can work. Tom Riley. When I've achieved that, I know I'm a great CEO because a CEO is supposed to put themselves out of a job. And we can talk about how to do that, but that I shared that at that meeting. And uh, the look I got from Paul and Powell was kind of like, what are you talking about? Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com to see all the other episodes and to get access to the show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your network or better still, go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform and leave us a five-star review. It'll only take you a moment, but it'll mean the world to us. And please don't hesitate to tell us which topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. To get in touch, drop us a line in the comment section or send us a message on social media. Just search for The Conference Room Podcast or me, Simon Lader, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok. I'm always open to a conversation. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you'll be alerted when a new episode goes live every week. Thanks so much for listening to The Conference Room, and until next time, keep talking.